last week of 2022. This is a special end of the year episode of LA Podcast, a podcast that we used to do weekly and now we do once a quarter. Yeah, that's part of our shareholder update. This is a conference call. We have Fortune 500 CEOs <laughs> on the line. Um, Sam Bankman-Fried is calling in from prison. Don't make fun oh, of my job, Scott. <laughs> I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, LA Podcast. I, it's Scott Frazier here with Alyssa Walker, Rachel Reyes. We are wrapping up what was probably a high water mark in the city of Los Angeles for public dignity, uh, political goodwill, and um, and progressivism, right? 2022, we all agree. Everybody's heart grew three sizes this year. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. Yeah, well, I mean, it's <laughs> more, uh, more just from like, stress and cholesterol than, <laughs> yeah, than the like arteries. the Grinch the uh, style. <laughs> <laughs> Larger hearts with slightly worse blood flow. <laughs> um, what are we wow. doing? We're talking, we are going to, we're going to talk about some of the stuff that has happened since our last episode, which was uh, a very lengthy discussion about the Fed tapes, of course, the covert Recordings that resulted in council president, former council president, Nuri Martinez, resigning from council, fleeing the state by uh, by at least some okay. stories that I've yeah. heard. <laughs> um, and two others that didn't and, resign. And two others that did not re- resign. Um, notable, one, one boy from Boyle Heights did not resign. We'll talk about him. And then, uh, and then of course, council member Kevin DeLeon is the gum on the public shoe sole currently we can't get rid of him we'll talk about that we'll talk about that and then yeah we'll we'll also just talk a bit about what happened more generally this year and what what we hope is going to happen in 2023 that sounds great that's a great outline i think we have to begin by acknowledging that it's the end of the year and also the end of an era we knew this day would come It's time to say goodbye to an Angelino who was always there for us, but especially during some very dark moments. And after a decade of reigning over the city during a time of great adversity, he finally left us. And I'm talking about the mayor of LA, P22. 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 Eric Garcetti was out of town and P22 was always the acting mayor. And I'll always remember... (laughs) him for that. He was, he was, he never left us. You're right. He was always there. He was always there. And even if you didn't see him, you knew he was still in town. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I, I couldn't, we, I mean, we, it's so sad that we have to make this our update of, you know, our final update of the year, but um, P22 um, passed away. Um, compassionately euthanized and uh, we'll do some quick LA stories, I guess, but this just, I wanted to make it mine because this like hurt, like yeah. it really, and I've got like super angry about it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, had written about these wildlife crossings that they're trying to build. And actually they're making progress on the one over the one one in Agora Hills. And so it was actually like, that's a great, you know, legacy that he leaves behind, but 
at the same time too, it just like really was so crushing that at the end, and Beth Pratt said this, the um, you know, kind of his human advocate for all these years. Um, it was amazing that he ended up getting hit by a car after all that. And that's kind of one of the big, most major reasons that they had to euthanize him. And and right. one of the most major reasons why his injuries were like unsurvivable. And to me, I was just like, of course. like Of course. I mean, that's the thing is like, it, it, it's it's incredible. And yet it's also the pretty much the only way that it could have happened, right? Like that, that and I felt like that was, there were, there were so many stories over the years that were kind of like, P-22 is still alive and like, and he was just spotted and, and there was always like a little burst of joy, you know, on social media. People would be like, yeah, like he's still out there doing his thing. But the subtext of all of those stories and people's reaction to it was everyone just knew it. Like how many other, how many other wildcats in in Southern California have been killed on freeways in the 10 years that he's he's been in. There were five just this year in Southern California. I mean, I, that is really gruesome. Like It's, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah. And and I feel like there, I, I certainly, when I would read one of those stories in the LA Times or, or wherever that was like P-22 spotted in XYZ neighborhood um, and, and recently had moved into the Los Feliz Silver Lake area more f- or further south, I guess, than than he had previously gone. Um, you just know, like, some asshole's going to hit him with his car. And that is exactly what happened. It, it was, was a hit and run, too. Yeah. It, they didn't even stop. It's just really messed up. Yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace to P-22, the sexiest cat I've ever known. Seriously. He had big cat energy. He brought he brought his A game every brought, yeah. every day. And when you can honor him, I mean, honestly, Road Diet, Los Feliz Boulevard, that's where he was killed. Mm-hmm. Like, let's oh my God. make Los it Feliz easier. Boulevard, what a nightmare. Yeah, one of the most dangerous streets and also the worst traffic congested streets mm-hmm. in the area. But just let's make it easier to get in and out of the park. Like, come on. Like, here's here's our moment. This is our mandate now. Like, let's do it and do it for P22. I don't want to see like... You know, they're talking about trying to get him on the Walk of Fame under some special, like, <laughs> Boo, some special changes to, like, the rules or him. something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The P-22. Like, the, P-22. <laughs> the P-22. Don't do it. Just a sidewalk. None of, the, none of those people <laughs> deserve to, to uh, share a Walk of Fame with P-22. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to, like, put him in their league. Come Majestic on. Bill creature. Cosby, Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, Selena. Donald Trump has a star. Say, okay. <laughs> Donald Trump has a star. P-22 doesn't. Make it make sense. <laughs> Another LA story, wildlife or not, from either of you quickly before we, uh, doesn't have to be quickly, but <laughs> briefly. Uh, it's been a couple months. My parents are still lobbying for me to go be the ambassador to India. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't expect them to do it, but you know what? They've always been really supportive of me and what's, um, what's a couple tens of thousands of dollars when it's your son's future career. So thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. Um, sorry about OJ again. Um, <laughs> 
I don't. I don't know. Uh, LA stories. I, I've been going to. I've been going. I guess my LA story would be. I've been taking. Uh, I've been taking my daughter Ida to the playground at Echo Park Lake a lot. I actually went earlier today. Um, it's really fun, just because I, I think it's like it's one of the truly incredible uh, people watching places in my. Uh, in in my neighborhood, in my in my places that I regularly go to, I, I hear such a wide variety of languages being spoken at the playground. I meet people from literally all over the world with their kids there, um, and and it's just really great to to get to just sort of have that relaxing um, neighborhood feel. And and I think my the reason I want this to be my LA story is because, you know, now that it is official, I mean, we're, we're at the end of December here, so we actually have cycled off uh, Mitch O'Farrell, <laughs> former... Such a polite way of putting it, cycled <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, um, he, he has shuffled off this political coil, and I, I don't know what he's, he's doing presently, but good luck. Uh, I suppose <laughs> um, it's just funny being there now because fence the fence is still up. Um, Hugo Soto Martinez, his successor, Mitch O'Farrell's successor, has stated that he's going to take the fence down. I I knew I had this like concrete belief for years that there was no way Mitch O'Farrell could get reelected in this district. I just didn't believe it could happen. But you um, did it with like math. I think you proved it. Like you showed that he was a <laughs> lagging. He was lagging in the progressive values that mm-hmm. the district has. Even with this, the, is the even even after redistricting CD thirteen yeah. just remains uh, the, the most progressive. Some, some more moderate people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> where he won those districts only. Go on. He he hoovered up some uh, of Hancock Park, um, but it was not enough, and it was never going to be enough. To he would honestly, they should have. His his friend Nuri should have done what she tried to do to Nithya. If you remember when. They um, they wanted to send CD four all the way out to like far West Valley, just mm-hmm, a completely mm-hmm. new district. That actually could have saved Mitch's political <laughs> life if that was him. Um, but of course, that is um, that is not how former Council President Martinez rolled. Um, but anyway, all I wanted to say was, even though I knew or really believed in my heart that Mitch O'Farrell would not get reelected, especially after everything he did at Echo Park Lake. I didn't really, it, it didn't sink in. And I think it is only now sinking in that that fence will come down. When it went up, it felt like that's it. You know, it's for it's forever sort of like a, a the ratchet only goes one way, right? Especially when it comes to uh, the the securitization of our public spaces. Uh, Pershing Square, I think, is an example I've used a lot in the past. Like you can look at what Pershing Square was a hundred years ago, and then a hundred years of of changes to Pershing Square has not done anything except make it a more like miserable fortressy kind of place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of looked at the Echo Park fence as being a step down that path. Yeah. Knowing that it is gonna that the fence is gonna come down in the near future is like 
wow, like we, that is a real accomplishment and people in CD13 should be proud. I certainly feel proud. And that it's like a huge ADA violation that has never been rectified in any way. And people use the park to walk through it to Mm -hmm. get from one corner to the other. And there's no way (laughs) to do that now. There's actually like places that you should be able to cross the street that you cannot actually. So the park is like unusable in many ways for people. And that's never been fixed all this time. So that's that's my LA story. Um, I'll keep you updated if my parents are successful. I think um, <laughs> we've got sure Kirsten, we'll Kirsten Cinema's year. I think well, they, they <laughs> but you know, I need, I need another 40-ish votes. We'll have another emergency episode when that happens. Uh, best of luck, Scott. <laughs> Um, I did see the, our new council member at the LA Walks party um, last week. So I found that a very promising um, sign. All right, Rachel. You know, uh, depending on when this episode comes out, it may or may not be the last full week um, of the year. Between Christmas Eve, like Festivus Christmas Eve and the first week of the year is my favorite time in LA because it's empty essentially. So empty. And there's parking, there's no traffic. Getting here from the West side was a breeze. It's just everyone. I don't know. I just love it. It's like when you shake LA loose and everyone goes home for the holidays, everyone who stays, those are my people. So if you're here, you're my people. And I just love it. I got a little worried when I saw that all these flights were getting canceled on TV because of the weather. <laughs> so and I was many. like, no, no, this is the one week that I have. Oh, like they get stuck here. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's not great for them. I'm sure you want to see your loved ones and your families and friends back home. Get on and a I train. want that for you. Yes, get on, a, <laughs> get on a train, hop in your cars that you've parked for $100 a day at LAX and just find a way to get home for you, but yes. also for me, because this is about me. We all this need. Week. We all need a. You know, we all need a break. We all need a break from you know the smog uh-huh. and the just general, the general. Oh my god, we've been getting <laughs> air quality alerts like every day for the month of December. I feel yeah, like yeah, every single bad. day has been bad. It's been bad. It's not been good. It's I think we've we've had like a good index on the west side, so I haven't been getting those sadly. So I didn't know. Sorry, guys. Um, mm-hmm. but it's been green as you far as be. I can see. And it's going to start raining. So that'll be Oof. really nice. Can't wait for the rain. Yeah, it'll but, be really good. But you're yeah, right. Yeah. Just enjoying this. Peace on earth. Yeah. Peace on earth. Peace in LA. Peace on the streets, which we'll talk about. Karen's going to bring it to us. Karen Bass is LA. Madame Maya. So <laughs> very, very happy about this week. Well, let's start, I guess, by... Um, talking about another bachelor living a life of isolation in the middle of the city who recently demonstrated erratic and aggressive behavior Mm. is not P22. This is Kevin DeLeon, our still council member. Um, We got to go a little bit back here to earlier in the month of December. When he ate a chihuahua that was off the leash. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't pin these apex print. Okay, I'm not. <laughs> um, but let's think about the context of this day, and we'll talk about the city council meeting that happened earlier that day. There was a council meeting on Friday, which was kind of like the holiday party of the council meetings, where last one of the year was. It oh was, no, it was well, the second to last. It was second to last, but it was before the new members came in. 
Um, so it was kind of where they did their like farewell speeches or yeah. end of career speeches, yep. if you may, if you will. I hope. Um, <laughs> um, and there was a holiday party that night at the Lincoln Park Rec Center, I believe. Um, and does anyone want to talk about what kind of unfolded as the night went on? Rachel, go for it. Well, the Cliff's Notes version, as I'm sure you all know, is... Santa Claus went to town on <laughs> It was a violent night, as they say. <laughs> Bad Santa, indeed. <laughs> Kevin DeLeon was, look, just the very short version. He was, because I'm not, we're not going to BS it, right? Like we I all can saw play the... some audio right here. I mean, I, I don't think, I can have it maybe just play under us as we're talking, because I'm not sure you can actually hear anything, but... Right. There's, you know, it appears on the video that I'm sure we've all seen, if you haven't. Twitter is free still. You will watch Kevin DeLeon try and walk out of this rec center. Folks are asking him questions, reporting him, as happens to many of our politicians. And they enter through some kind of double door situation in a, a hallway of sorts. And Kevin DeLeon snaps yeah. and just starts beating up a protester, a constituent, someone who is asking him questions. And it doesn't look great for him. And that is that is what the video shows. That's long and short of it. I'm not going to editorialize it. Scott, do you have thoughts? Oh, my God. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> I have so many thoughts about this whole situation. Uh, the, the, the video initially posted by Roots Action and J-Town Solidarity and Action on Twitter. The first one was a slow motion clip of probably of about, like, two-ish seconds of, of yep. the overall video uh, in which uh, Kevin DeLeon is really, uh, like, violating a man named Jason Reedy, who's a, a protester associated in some way, shape, or form with uh, with Richie Serjenko's group, People City Council, uh, not just his group, but uh, among other people. Um, and and Jason Reedy, a, a a black man who had been very public in his denunciations of Kevin DeLeon, even I think actually DeLeon and him had had a prior physical altercation mm -hmm. even in public. Uh, but following the Fed tapes, uh, Reedy had been, including that day at City Council, uh, you know, saying what a disgrace it was that Kevin DeLeon had not resigned after it became public knowledge that he supported this really ridiculous racist approach to uh, municipal politics. The the thing that is shown in in the first clip is is the most I think frankly insane aspect of this video which is I mean you see Kevin DeLeon like <sighs> I, I don't even know. It's like basically he is like manhandling Reedy and like it looks like he's going to like pick him up by the collar and sort of chuck him out. If you've I seen... Choke him. I mean, it's like a... Yeah. It's not even like yeah, a yeah, throw. Yeah. It's, it's, like, um, it's pretty intense. And there's a huge crowd of people. I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to this has seen the video, but there's a huge crowd of people around them trying to uh, break, break them up. The longer video that Serjenko posted, I think, uh, next day, a couple days later, uh, shows a bit of the lead up to that 
we're still, I don't think we're still seeing the, the full video as, as it were, but we get about 30 seconds in the follow-up video. Um, you know, I, I think what's been reported here is that protesters were showing up, showing up, showing up here because Kevin DeLeon was still going around doing these constituent services. This was like a tree lighting ceremony or something. Uh, and so in the the papers, you get a lot of like, oh, there are kids crying because Santa's beating the shit out of somebody, <laughs> um, which, you know, yeah, mm-hmm, that sounds that sounds like something that would make a child cry. <laughs> but then you have, uh, you know, the, this this reporting that, oh, well, the protesters were following him and, and calling him racist. I, a lot of people get called racist. Right. A lot of people who don't compare black toddlers to luxury handbags get called racist. So I think... They have a bit more solid footing for the KDL accusations than for most others. What I will say though is that there's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of speculation about well, not speculation fueled by the direct statements of both Reedy and Kevin DeLeon that we're going to see some uh, some charges pressed uh, against both individuals. Kevin DeLeon says that he uh, he was attempted to some. Some attempt at a headbutt was made against his person. Oh, the pelvic thrust that yeah. happened. I, what I would say is um, what what stands out to me in the longer video is there ends up being a portion of this of this video where there's a scrum at the door. There's sort of a, a scuffle at these double doors that Rachel mentioned. Uh, Kevin DeLeon's entire demeanor changes when he goes through these doors. He's walking, he's he's smiling. Uh, he's I, I made this comparison to uh, a Simpsons joke where there's vengeful God, loving God, but it's vengeful Santa, loving Santa sort of thing. <laughs> um, so you have loving Santa on one side of the doors and he's smiling. And he's like, I'm just ignoring these protesters. I'm walking out of the door, just get out of my way and I'll leave, which is an Appropriate reaction, fine, whatever, go, go wherever it is you go. Uh, and then he goes through the door. There's a clear moment in time uh, where he could have closed the door and just walked away. And instead he turns around and he is either, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know what it is, but he just sort of like becomes this, well, he is a meathead, right? But he becomes... Uh, his real self on yes. the other side of those doors, yeah. and then he out like, of the public eye grabs, yeah. uh, grabs at Reedy. There's sort of like a, a grappling thing that happens there, and then um, and then everyone is pulled through the doors. Reedy is pulled through the doors by KDL. At this point, I think <laughs> I don't I don't really know how defensible either of the assault charges are because Reedy is clearly like uh not he doesn't hit him no, his right hands he are up I don't know I actually don't well, even know at the know. very end there's another video that De Leon oh yeah yeah uploaded where he tries to throw a punch at the but very the, the, end, yes. at this point though which is when the alleged attempted headbutt is I've been I've been thinking about the the semantics of attempting a headbutt for so long cuz I feel <laughs> like it's sort of is 
headbutt is sort of defined by making contact, yes. I feel like. Otherwise, it's just sort of moving your head like, around. Yeah. <laughs> bump. <laughs> we call that bump heads in parent language. Uh, but yeah, Reedy is standing with his hands up. He's, he's sort of doing like a, a tree pose sort of situation. Um, and what... What I see in the video is Reedy is blocking KDL into a corner, at which point, um, you know, he can't really leave without making contact with him. Uh, So once they start, once his people start trying to force a lane through here, um, then it's like inevitable that contact is going to happen. This looks like a fight between two people, basically. It looks Mm -hmm. like a physical fight between two people, uh, which is bad and dumb i will say like it doesn't it doesn't make sense uh to for for either side to like actually lay hands on one another but then kevin de leon really kicks it the fuck up at the end and is clear of the corner at that point he's clear of the corner at the point mm-hmm. when he decides he's going to like grab jason mm-hmm. reedy and start mm-hmm. like yeah. mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then, yeah, like Alyssa, you were saying, there's a, a a punch being thrown that doesn't land. I don't think uh, does it. I don't. I don't think it does. Um, so anyway, now you have what just looks like two people who didn't need to get into a physical fight, but did. Uh, Kevin DeLeon clearly more in the wrong because you're a public official and you can't like. Thank you. You can't just beat a constituent or. Anybody, (laughs) frankly. (laughs) Um, He is the bad Santa in this situation. Well, and that's what I was going to say. There might not be a good Santa, (laughs) but there, there is no, there is a bad Santa and it's, it's Kevin DeLeon. Because it's not just two people, right? It's not like me and you get in a fist fight, Scott. Right. Which I hope that happens. Um, But (laughs) it's like a public official. It's someone who's, yeah, I'm going to be gross about it, whose salary we do pay, whose benefits we do Mm -hmm. pay for. You do work for us, all of us, even if you don't like us. And you, of all people, should know that you can't. Yeah, you, you're going to be called all kinds of names, whether or not it's merited. In this case, it is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. He's like 100 years old. You've been in public office forever. You know how it goes. <laughs> not that old. He's not that old. I'm just saying he's grown he's enough. he got the fight in him. He's grown enough to know how it goes. Like, you just have to deal with it. I'm sorry, especially when it's warranted. Also, I mean, it, the the thing that I think needs to be said here is like, the I think the if you if you take the line of defending Kevin DeLeon, which I know you're you're listening to this and you're like, well, who would do that? And we'll we'll get to the people who are <laughs> yes. doing that in a second. Um if you if you take the line of actually like trying to defend a Kevin DeLeon in this situation, I feel like inevitably you get to, well, he he just snapped because like the pressure of under of undergoing this type of protest for so long um got to him or or whatever and it's like yeah because he should have resigned a long time <laughs> like this is the thing is like I, I don't know how much it's it's not like he's fucking princess diana like you know what also i mean rest in peace. right like it, it's not like uh, that the, he's getting he's all this un, unmerited scrutiny. Uh, this this is a case where he did something really egregious. He has decided that he's going to weather it in office and he thinks that he can make amends without actually publicly acknowledging his active participation in anything. Mm-hmm. I'm, 
I mean, God, we have to talk about the CNN interview that he did. Oh, yes, where, let's get to yes. that. So um, I, I just want to say, like, really yeah. quickly, like, uh, where uh, so, the the anchor asking him questions was like, what are you actually apologizing for? Because it sounds like you're saying you didn't do anything, and he well, let's doesn't play that articulate one. it. Yeah. Let's play that one real quick. Why are you not resigning? I know you say you still have work to do, but other members, the points that the council members are making still today— about this whole thing is that they say that the city cannot heal if you are still there. And one member saying that your continued presence on the council is causing severe and ongoing harm. Well, let me say this, Kate, and let me be very clear about this. In a democracy, the voters make the decision. Uh, Not folks uh, who are in the peanut gallery or political pundits or uh, even my own colleagues. You know, tens of millions of Americans go to work every single day with folks that they don't like. But you know what they do every morning? They get up and they go to work. And they don't have the luxury, perhaps, of some folks do when they want to walk out. I'm here to do the business of my constituents. And that's what I've worked for tirelessly. That's what I'm going to continue to do. I can tell you this, and I want to underscore and emphasize the following. If you don't think I'm profoundly sorry, you know, for participating in that meeting, or for not standing up and shutting that meeting down and shutting down the vitriolic comments from then president uh, of the council who did eventually resign. That's something I'm I'm forever will be sorry for. And that's why I'm having the constructive conversations and dialogue with folks outside the community. I totally understand, but it it wasn't just that you didn't stand up. You also took part in the conversation. I mean, in it, you said you compared the young black child of a fellow councilman to um, being an accessory, like a luxury handbag. Well, let me give this some context, because one thing I really wish that the media did was provide context and sort of, um, it was much more nuanced, these general comments. Now, I mean, I can, fl- I, I can play it for them, and we don't need to, I mean, no, I can, I I, yeah. let's play, then let everybody hear what you said. Here, let me play this. What, what I want to say. And she plays it. I mean, you have said in subsequent interviews, and you say you're profoundly sorry that you have failed in leadership yes. and accept responsibility, but what exactly was is the mis- what exactly was the mistake that you made that you were apologizing for? Well, obviously, there was a, uh, a it was I shouldn't have said what I said um, because it was actually a comment was I was criticizing actually Councilwoman Nuri Martinez for her pension for luxury handbags, you know, and it's again, you know, apologetic. I, I shouldn't have said that, you know, clearly, and I've apologized to Mike Bond and, and as well as his family. Uh, that's something that, you know, I shouldn't have said, you know, and I apologize for that. It was my inartful way of criticizing then Council President Woman uh, uh, Nuri Martinez uh, for her pension for luxury handbags. Before we, before I let you go, I did want to ask you, because you're on tape, you're on tape making fun of a colleague's young black child when there's a racist conversation that's occurring. That colleague, who's a fellow Democrat, now still considers you, and his words are, a vile racist, is how he puts it, Councilman. First of all, let me just say, like, if I were ever in a situation where I needed to have Jello nailed to a wall, I would ask this woman to do it because <laughs> fucking hell, she did not. Uh, she did not let him weasel his way out of that one inch, and I, I really appreciate that because we didn't really see that from his local news interviews so much. No, and and. I mean, especially too within the context of what happened here, that that was playing the next week that that was like he went on CNN that morning and then he went back to council again. And we'll get to that in a minute. But there seemed to be this moment again where you had, for example, Monica Rodriguez, who um, was immediately on Twitter the night of the incident, I believe, mm. um, 
equating it to terrorism. Once again, they are their favorite thing where they the council members love to say that any type of disruption. Rodriguez, um, who had already, and this is interesting. So Monica Rodriguez of uh, the 7th District, North East, or yeah, Northeastern San Fernando Valley, uh, f- notably one of the more conservative members of, of the council, had already sort of moved towards uh, let's just bring him back. Let's this just, has this has gone on long yeah. enough. Let's sort of bring him in out of the out of the cold, as it were, and uh, and we need to we need to just move on. Um, that now, once we had the video of this, I think once it was the fuller video of her tweet was actually the next day. Yeah, you're right. You're of, right. Of of the altercation between Kevin DeLeon um, and particularly his uh, statement that he had been the victim of of an assault by protesters. Monica Rodriguez took to his uh, defense and, um, and said that when there were protests that uh, well, we can read her exact wording, but I mean, and basically, Angelinos have every right to peacefully protest. But when protest devolves into wielding physical intimidation, threats, and acts acts of violence, it's no longer protest; it's terrorism. Yeah. For all of you out there who are wielding acts of violence, stop it. Put the acts of violence down. And what um, about all the shit they do? Is that not terrorism? No. <laughs> I mean, no, no. The what? The city of Los Angeles, a state sponsor of terrorism. Actually. Actually. Just, <laughs> we'll sounds, get to the Olympics later. That sounds pretty convincing. <laughs> and, um, and then, so, and then, and Kevin DeLeon also posts his own version of, of a video um, showing like a little bit more footage and then saying, like, if anyone excuses this, uh, you're part of the problem and this ends now. Like something so, mm-hmm. again, like threat, that, that is threatening to me. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that was like that language also. <laughs> he really is sort of this avatar of like just toxic masculinity in City Hall. And um, and it's it's kind of strange to watch how he is attempting to rehabilitate himself like the, the the way in which he's going about it is is basically to say um in in similar terms to Nuri Martinez did but then she had the the good sense to actually leave her post following this in her in her initial non-apology letter Nuri Martinez said that she wanted to she wanted people to respect her privacy while she reached out to the the affected parties and made amends and, you know, basically res- respects that she's doing everything that she needs to to make things right. The The issue with that is that that assumes that the public owes you some sort of debt of goodwill while you try to figure out if you can, if you can resolve whatever hurt and issues that you have brought about by your own actions. We've sort of heard this rhetoric echoed in, of all places, the the editorial pages of the LA Times, where, uh, in sort of in defense of Kevin DeLeon, it's been said basically, LA can heal, LA can learn its lesson from everything that's happened here, even if Kevin DeLeon doesn't re- resign. 
Uh, and the the problem with that again is. What did we do that yeah. we need to learn a <laughs> lesson we, here? No, and what, why, yeah, why, why are we, we getting sent to detention yes. and Kevin DeLeon gets a extremely generous public salary, an extremely generous pension and benefits? Uh, and, and like, and we are writing lines on the chalkboard after school. How is this? Yeah, how is this? Good debt is paid up front because, like you said, the salary and the benefits that's. That's yeah. us believing in you and trusting you. Yes. That's what that is. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Kevin DeLeon saying uh, that in, in his view, democracy means that uh, the people get to decide who's in office, not the peanut gallery. I would argue that those are the same yeah, people. Same people. <laughs> <laughs> a proud are, member of the peanut ratchet. gallery I am. <laughs> Political who, pundits, different class, of course. Who is, like, who is the peanut gallery in this situation? Well, Obviously, we have uh, city council f- has frequently said, and and um, uh, probably to Kevin DeLeon's chagrin, he's on tape saying in a private meeting with Nuri Martinez and Gil Cedillo uh, that the protesters are white people who come from out of district to <laughs> stir up trouble uh, in Latino neighborhoods. Um, unfortunately for him, Jason Reedy is a black man uh, that he decided to physically accost in a public venue, which I, let's just say it's not a smart thing to do no. when you're uh, when you're trying to argue that you don't have a racist bone in your body. <laughs> it's probably not a great thing to do. Anyway, um, the, it's, it doesn't help your case, shall we say. Uh, but yeah, like basically Kevin DeLeon has said, has articulated very clearly on in what he thought was a private meeting that the protesters are not valid protesters, are not valid political actors in his district, can't speak on issues in his district. And He's basically saying that uh, again on CNN. So it it does undermine the argument that like, I, I think that anyone who listened to those tapes would reasonably assume this is who these three council members actually are. And Kevin DeLeon is repeating sentiments in on CNN that, you know this the peanut gallery, as it as it were, is is uh, trying to dictate whether or not he stays in office. The only people who care about whether or not he's racist against black people are not in his district, are not voters in his district, uh, and so they should just shut their mouths and uh, and presumably go back to either South LA or West LA and leave him alone. So. Uh, I, w- what is the upshot here? Like, what actually does happen? I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, uh, the the protester that he's manhandling, that Kevin DeLeon is manhandling, is going to press charges, and then he'll be able to be suspended the the way that uh, Mark Ridley Thomas and, and Jose Huizar were when they were awaiting trial. Um, but there's a problem with that, and the problem is that it's only in... First of all, there there are actually several problems. The first problem is uh, that that provision of the city charter only applies if you have been charged with a felony. And assault can be a felony, but there's no way in hell that this particular assault, even if it were charged, would be charged as a felony. Uh, I doubt that it sticks. 
because again, like just watching that video, it just looks like a fight. It just looks like a fight between two people, frankly. Um, and I, I really doubt that either side ends up getting successfully prosecuted or that the DA's office, maybe they will, I don't know, but it doesn't look like a, a case that I would personally <laughs> expect to make it to the finish line. The second problem is assume that this actually did happen. There were felony charges filed against Kevin DeLeon. Um, and I'm not saying I don't think the man has committed a felony sometime in his life. It's totally possible. I wouldn't even weigh in on that. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't take those odds if I were a betting man uh, after hearing the way he talks about corruption on the Fed tapes. Um, but if, assuming that that were the case, then we end up in the same situation that we were in with Mark Ridley Thomas, which is that uh, they the city council just said that they owed him all of his back pay. So he's still getting paid. We get to replace him, but we're still, we're paying for two city council members now in two different districts. Uh, and we have this situation where city council seems to be getting closer to trying to like forgive him or just move on or whatever. And, uh, and I don't think it's just Monica Rodriguez anymore. I think it's more, of the the conservative wing of of the city council that is just like they don't they don't want to hear about Kevin DeLeon every day they don't like the protesters that are involved they know they know all of the protesters you can watch any given city council meeting and see Paul Krikorian talking to Richie Serjanko uh, mano a mano, like they are a, a father and son duo that that uh, that just can't see eye to eye. That like they they don't like they just don't like these people. And and uh, you know, right or wrong, it's hard to imagine a majority of city council again, most of whom are uh, on the conservative end of the spectrum, would willingly side with protesters over Kevin DeLeon. And that fucking sucks, but that is that is just the fact of the matter. You need eight or right. ten people to uh, to actually approve suspending him, if you meet the criteria for suspending him. Which again, I don't think we will. So we had him return. We did see kind of a remarkable thing, and we, I'll just run this down really quickly. So we had him return to council um, the day of that CNN interview, um, saying he wanted to vote on Karen Bass's emergency. Um, homeless declaration. We'll talk about that in a minute. And we have kind of two kind of very bizarre things happening. First of all, he has supporters there blocking the doors to get into council, chanting all lives matter at the same group of protesters. Um, many of them who are there to not only, you know, express their distaste of Kevin DeLeon, but we're voting on this eviction moratorium that's about to end. And, you know, that's a very heated topic. And there's a, a, a big like protest going on on the front of City Hall steps with all the tenants groups that are trying to protect tenants. We've got a lot going on. So we've got that conflict set up <laughs> at the front. And then um, he comes into the chambers. And what was remarkable is everybody got up and walked out. Everybody, except for Monica Rodriguez and Paul Krikorian, <laughs> and Paul who's the prez, he's sitting up up there or whatever. Um, and they have this like heart to heart 
they how long did they talk? It was hours, right? It was yeah. an hour, was it? It was a long well, they were sitting there long. together talking for a long time. And then he convinces him to walk away. And then people come back in and the you know vote proceeds. And somehow he has voted. Right. You look up at the screen and there's this moment right. <laughs> where everybody just goes nuts realizing that he actually voted on it. So somehow he'd been marked present. And we learned from this like you know, archaic council rules, mm-hmm. like what, if you walk in, you're there. Yes. And all votes are yes. You can, all, it, it's, yeah, if, if you're, you're present. Still, like, physically present, even if you're not visible to the public. If you're present. Uh, until until you are recorded as not being present, you, like you vote as uh, you vote as yes, unless you are specifically voting. Right. Yeah. You know. well, that seems great. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good <laughs> like system. Something good else. System, good something system. else to fix. Uh, very very good system in a democracy. It is the people who vote, especially the people who are not present in the room, but have been previously <laughs> marked the as present. The peanut gallery, if you yeah. will. <laughs> I think he was physically located in some sort of peanut gallery when his vote was recorded. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that, that was, that was, um, the, the, the thing is, and this is what's so, to me, infuriating about uh, the, the professional political pundit class in, in Los Angeles which has sort of been circling the drain of, of, like you can tell they're eventually going to arrive at, we can't keep writing about Kevin DeLeon every week, so everyone else needs to just move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the takes that you read now are, are sort of like, it was what he did wrong, yes, but like we need to, we need to, I don't know, Focus on the man in the mirror, I guess. We need to <laughs> we need we need to ask the the man in the mirror to change his ways before we worry about Kevin DeLeon. Uh, but you know, like but that sort of thinking, it 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 requires that you ignore what Kevin Kevin DeLeon is actively doing. And I don't just mean getting into a fight with members of the public at a public event, which is bad. Uh, I mean, and obviously something that no one should ever do and expect to keep their job as an elected official. But at this meeting that, that Alyssa is talking about, he also, like, I, I, we really need to focus on this dynamic that he's setting up. We can't think about this recording with Nuri and Gil like it was a one-off. Mm-hmm. He is stoking this incredibly toxic rhetoric he is fanning the flames of of just trying to make people hate one another in order to save his own career and that can't be you know we can't just like let that go unremarked upon in all this he's filling he filled council chambers with what he calls his supporters these people who are uh, chanting all lives matter at Black Lives Matter protesters mm-hmm. who are later going on social media and saying that Black Lives Matter is a racist organization mm-hmm. who are caught on camera in in the the city hall, like the, in the antechamber to city council saying uh, just because they're not hanging you, Black people, anymore, that doesn't mean we're going to let you, Black people, hang us. But it's Who insane. Who has been Latinos, to be clear? 
What? And it said us being Latinos, to be clear. Yes, because yes, a yes, lot yes, of KDL yes. supporters there, and I want to say that being Latina, that yeah. like that is that is the disgusting division that they are referencing there. Yeah, yeah, clear. yeah, absolutely. And that's and that is what Kevin DeLeon is literally throwing these people in front of the people that he he views as his antagonists. Uh, and honestly, like hoping to escalate this confrontation. It's very clear that he is, he thinks an escalation of the, of the confrontations between these two groups will benefit him personally. Will give, for example, his ally Monica Rodriguez a premise to, to call protesters terrorists or, you know, or whatever. But that's, it's very disgusting. It's vile behavior. It's something that is not acceptable from a public official. Um, and and I don't want it to get lost in the complete chaos of uh, this is this is not a uh, an, a one time event. It's not a case in my view where it's like oh he he is he snapped in one particular look, uh, time and place. Um, he is systematically, I think employing really divisive and really dangerous tactics in order to save his own political career. He's not fighting for anybody else in this situation. No. And we'll talk more too about, um, well, I mean, I guess we can talk about now, like his, his redemption tour where he goes to these communities and he makes these videos. And then the people from the communities are like, we did that first of all, or we didn't, nobody worked with him on this video or nobody, he didn't talk to us about this thing that he says that he's doing. Or in one case, he's saying he got this big active uh, transportation grant for Skid Row, which is trying to get bike lanes through it for years. And like LA can (laughs) comes forward and they're like, we... (laughs) Here the here's the like charrette materials we have uh, from trying to get this for all this time. Did you see us in that video? No, there's literally like a 30 second, like um, there's like a few seconds of like, maybe it looks like stock footage of like black people sitting around a computer yeah. uh-huh. in the middle of the, yep. <laughs> the video of Kevin Daly on walking through Skid Row, but then showing tents that are actually in uh, the Pueblo area. <laughs> so it's just like, like, I don't know what he is trying to do, except try to just think he can Instagram through it, right? Like, yep. he's <laughs> Instagram, posting through posting it, for through real. it like, with Instagram <laughs> videos. But, but the communities are very outspoken and repeatedly they are like, and there's one great example of in Eagle Rock, the groups that were working on this, another like street improvement thing, they said, we don't want his logo on the invite for this meeting and they canceled the meeting. So more of those groups need to be speaking up and saying, he's not working with us. We're actually, we don't want to work with him and he needs to, to, you know, to hear us. But I do think you're right that the statements have have kind of evolved to be like, I guess you just have to do a recall. And that's a whole, even from like Kerkorian and all the other elected officials. And that's kind of the, another pickle because the group that has filed recall papers has already attempted to recall him twice for different reasons than this, which have actually been like an anti-transit, anti-homelessness services uh, angle. (laughs) I I mean, I I have definitely gone from thinking a recall is, is like 
a layup to thinking it will be more of a an uphill battle. I do still think it's doable. I, I mean, the thing is, Kevin DeLeon has been attempting to in the in the uh, recent weeks. I, sh- I I suppose I don't know if it started before or after the altercation at at Lincoln Park, but uh, um, the Santa Fe Violent Night, whatever we want to call it. Uh, <laughs> I I think. I think that he has been consistently saying that, oh, the he's been trying to delegitimize the recall effort by tying it closely to PCC and saying PCC has been trying to recall me for years, which actually is not true. Oh, and, that, and that, was a, like, that was a Spanish language media story, actually, wasn't it? It was like a translated... He said it in multiple venues, Oh, he said it somewhere else. But I definitely saw it in like at least one interview where it was, yeah, unchallenged saying that like... Just complete misrepresentation. The same people who are the protesters are the same people trying to recall me, which is absolutely not true. Yeah, just a a complete misrepresentation of the facts. Um, But that at this point, is is pretty much the best that you can expect from Kevin DeLeon if he's just lying and not physically laying hands on anyone, I guess. I guess we should all count ourselves lucky. There's one other thing that I thought of, and that was looking at our new city attorney. So we have a new city attorney, um, Heidi Feldstein Soto. And she had tweeted in the wake of the tapes that she was wanting to bring an investigation and she was calling on uh, Attorney General for the state of California, Rob Bonta, to do this. And he he did it. He said he was going to bring an investigation. There's another part of it here, which is not just what they said, but what they did, which is something that we talked about early on the show when we did our emergency episode. We like We've been saying this the whole time. And there's another possibility, and she seems to think so in her tweets when she was campaigning to be the city attorney, that there is maybe perhaps like laws being broken with the way that they tried to gerrymander or influence the redistricting process in a way that might have been worthy of Rob Bonna investigating. So there is something else here and you might see that be part of, you know, her initiative to be tough on him (laughs) if she chooses to. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that absolutely is... A possibility. You can easily commit a felony when you are covertly trying to redistrict black people out of re- representation. I think. I think that that is. Um, wow. I hope someone's looking into that. <laughs> uh, yes, that that definitely could could be the case. Okay, so now we're going to go back in time because um, this happened. This was the meeting that I was referencing before that was happening the Friday. Um, before um, the KDL uh, Santa Santa fight, violent night. Um, should that be the name of the episode? Wow. Um, I mean, we're just... We're, <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to get sued by whoever made that movie. <laughs> with the guy from Stranger Things. So this was the last um, council meeting for many people, whether they wanted to be or not. And I wanted to play a few clips just from these people um, and and how they chose to go out, which was quite interesting, but let's first start with the day, basically the, as the term ends, um, as people go into the last council meeting and and it's, it's all over, we get an email from Gil Cedillo's press people (laughs) with a letter, a thousand word essay, Mm -hmm. why I did not resign. Who wants to talk about this beautiful essay? So long to all that. What is, what, uh, Gil Cidio is 
he wants to set the record straight. He did not notably want to set the record straight while he was still in office. Uh, but now that he's out, <laughs> now that he's a free man, um, he does sort of like a, a Shawshank Redemption, Tim Robbins and the rain sort of thing. Where he's like, <laughs> I can finally say what's on my mind. Uh, Cancel culture. Yeah, and what is on his mind is complete bullshit. Anyway, uh, Gil Cedillo is, uh, he, he talks about how he was going to be forced out of office by the forces of wokeness and cancel culture. And uh, it was so totally unacceptable to him to end his lengthy career uh, serving the people at, with a, a resignation for thought crime. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's yeah. basically the gist of it. I mean, I pulled up all my texts to you both because I like, <laughs> these were just like quick hits, right? Because this is long and we don't have time yes. to read everything. But just this quote, balancing Black and Latino interests has always been difficult. Why, babe? Why do you think? <laughs> why do you, why? Is it because of the way that you all talk about Black people behind oh closed doors, God. maybe? That's like one one thing that stands out. Um but to resign for staying silent, ignoring the totality of my work and history, that is unacceptable. That is unacceptable. And then the final quote that stood out to me, this modern version of McCarthyism is a danger to democracy, not yeah. a defense. Like, you're a loser. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> And to send this on, I think it was Eunice's first day, right? It was, yeah. It's just like, come on. Like, get real. Well, he well, Honestly, get real. Unlike... His, uh, uh, unlike his frenemy, Paul Koretz, he didn't have the opportunity to give his farewell address in council chambers. So he had to be <laughs> a little petty brat. And then he also is like, it's like retired. He decided to leave. Like, yeah. no, you didn't. Yeah. You're not yeah. retired. That's not what it's called. Yeah, retired. Yeah, at the end of like, it was by Gil City, a councilman retired. You're like, listen, no. why you why you didn't resign is you got booted out of office yeah. in the primary. You lost. You lost. And you, that is why you could not resign. You know, <laughs> it doesn't Hello? even matter. You know what's amazing about uh, the, the? I mean, can, first of all, I mean, maybe we should just play Frank Sinatra's My Way under this whole, <laughs> under this whole dramatic, section. Dramatic reading. Uh, but like the incredible thing about Gil Cedillo uh, people's champion is that he spent a tremendous amount of effort trying to politically gerrymander his district to avoid losing to a challenger with minimal uh, institutional support. And he did that and he politically gerrymandered his district and he lost in the primary. He did all of those things and it wasn't enough. He almost lost to, well, I mean, we we won't even get into the whole 2017 fiasco again, <laughs> yeah. but um, because I don't want to hear from that person again. <laughs> but but he, he actually rigged his district yeah. and it wasn't enough. So that that I think is the the epitaph of Gil Cedillo's political. So that'll career. be amazing if they they do get investigated for that, and they were like, "You are guilty of that." And you still <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, speaking of other people who lost um, in this council as their farewell, I can I Joe Buscaino, 
so faded to irrelevance. I don't even really remember anything about his goodbye speech, but he decided he was going to run for mayor, remember? And then he just like could have run for the term, but didn't. And so I guess he'll <laughs> mm-hmm. go where, I don't know who he goes to work for now, but- um, Back to the force. Right? I guess back, <laughs> he's gonna go back, back to, back to the, becoming a police officer. I'm just one day away from retirement Does too. It- <laughs> And then we had Mitch O'Farrell. I'll, I'll save the last one, the most dramatic one for the end. But we had Mitch O'Farrell give this speech that was like absolutely blaming the, blaming the people for not really believing that he knew what was best for them. And there was a passage that I just want to play really quickly because it's so strange. Um, we're at this unfortunate place right now uh, that expressing hate and incivility is now socially acceptable behavior, and that's really sad. We see it every day in this chamber. We saw it today. We crossed that Rubicon years ago. And I will caution the body politic that it's especially important in this current toxic political climate here in Los Angeles that we don't lose sight of the distinction between ideology and public service. It is unchecked ideology powered by social media and some in our mainstream media here in Los Angeles that has led to the demonizing of people who may disagree with you. It is unchecked ideology that has led to the justification of spreading disinformation and delegitimizing others for the sake of proving a point or getting your way. So yeah, you ha- and, and also accusing like, the mainstream media of being mm. part of the problem of spreading, you know, misinformation. So he, thank you for Councilmember O'Farrell had a complicated relationship with the media. Let's just say. <laughs> well, you, number one, you don't lie to them when they ask uh, you what day are you going to mm-hmm. storm Echo Park Lake. That's a beginning. number two. Maybe don't <laughs> illegally detain them. <laughs> Uh, Mitch, Mitch was, I, we have it on high authority that, uh, Mitch was a bit of a diva. (laughs) (laughs) Off the record. (laughs) (laughs) We, 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 we heard from, uh, his, his number one pal and ally, Nuri Martinez, that he was a little bit of a diva. So I, I think his remarks were, um, taken and taken in that light, pretty in keeping with his character. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then we have, I think, what was the kind of a shocking moment where we have uh, Paul Koretz, who uh, was a CD5 uh, termed out a council member. Um, Katie Young Yaroslavsky won the election. She takes over for his district. He ran for a city controller and just got trampled by Kenneth Mejia, who uh, won, I think, almost every precinct except for like a handful of them in the entire city. Neighbor, that was a neighborhood level thing. It a was neighborhood, like, yeah. 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 So there were like um, six neighborhoods. Six that neighborhoods, went. yeah. Which is... Out of a hundred and something. Yeah, yeah. It was... <laughs> not good. Not a good look. Not, so he decided to go out this way. So I would just say lastly to the disruptors and protesters... Um, who've done their best to make it difficult for us to do our work in the last two and a half years. In their own words, I yield the rest of my time and fuck you.
And I have to say, I, did, I didn't warn Gail or, or anyone else that I was going to say that. And you've, she, you've already yielded your time. I'm she, sorry. <laughs> No, no, go ahead, go ahead. You, you've got the mic, go ahead and drop it. <laughs> Corette's out. <laughs> I, I've been surprised by a lot of things in my times in the chamber. I don't know if I've ever been as surprised as at what I just heard, but uh, congratulations and thank you, Councilmember Corretz. Oh. I, w I will say that he misquoted that he forgot the part that says suck my dick and choke on it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish. He paraphrased. You know. if, if he had the said original that, quote, I, of course. I would have been duty bound to like make it my ringtone. <laughs> he also, it wasn't something that protesters said. It was said at a police commission meeting. Yes. I mean, there's some important yeah. context here and why it was said. But, you know, we talked about that on the show when it happened. Oh, but um, like the thing, the thing that's so wild to me about, about Koretz is he responded very, I, I will be ger generous and say he responded very poorly to the George Floyd protests in 2020. <laughs> uh, he, he went on multiple news networks and said that a police kiosk being lit on fire at the Grove um, where Papa Caruso, of course, was <laughs> very mad, at, very disappointed in our city council and, and had to come in and try and Papa sort Caruso. things for himself. Uh, a, a police a police kiosk at the Grove being lit on fire was as uh, as disturbing as a man um, having his neck stepped on until he literally died. Mm -hmm. uh, he went basically to to every person that he could find and and would say like really gross, uh, misrepresentative, and occasionally quite racist things about the protests that were happening in the city. And here we are, um, you know, a year and no, wait, two and a half years later. And he is making a conscious choice. No one's really talking about that anymore. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have people following him around, uh, calling him a racist when he's doing constituent <laughs> services, which is honestly, uh, there but for the grace of God, <laughs> yeah. go you, Paul Kretz. He decides for no reason that I can really think of to say that the last two and a half years, so hearkening back to this exact period, have been bad because of protesters and because of uh, public anger. And I'm going to sign my final words are going to be fuck you to all of these people. So like he just dives back into into this stream. He didn't have to do that. Well, no. I mean, I can think of a reason because he hates us. Yeah. And he <laughs> hates mean, so many of them yeah. hate us. Yeah. Like, they hate, hate their constituents. Loathe us. Actually think it's a problem that we're calling in, that we're showing up, that we're having opinions, that we're voting them out, that we ourselves are being elected to replace them. And like, that's why. That's why. Because he hates us. And he thinks that he should have died in some kind of political office. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't deserve to not hold any kind of office. Like, all of these people think that they deserve 
to be in these positions of power and none of us do. And that's why he brought it up because I'm sure the last two and a half years were the worst of his long life because people were, he's 67, Alyssa. <laughs> I just love how you're making it about. I, I am because, because that's the, how they talk about us yes, because we're yes, young and so. we're stupid and we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to talk about how old they are because man's needs to retire. He he's does. old enough to retire. Go enjoy your life. Go enjoy your family. Why are you sitting here? referring to a comment that's two and a half years old. Right. Like, why? Aside from the fact that you hate us. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. I know I wasn't laughing about just bringing bring it up, but like, yeah, KDL, not close to retirement age, but many of these people are, and they continue <laughs> to run, even though they obviously hate their jobs yes. and they hate us. They hate us. <laughs> the dream is to not well, work. Why let, are you trying to let's work? Let's forget, you know, like they're... they're um, you know, now now I take my bow, the final curtain. How does the song go? Yeah, anyway, uh, every every all of these all of these Sinatras, okay. Uh, every every single Sinatra we have on City Council. <laughs> so Paul Koretz is framing this as as perhaps he must frame it as though this is his farewell to public life. Mm. Um, but actually, I would like to frame it differently and say that he has exited uh, one stage of public life where he was uh, working for a public salary and entered the next stage of public life where we are paying his pension until he oh. dies. So I don't really feel great about this man who is basically a ward of the generosity <laughs> of, of the Angelino public. Wow. Uh, and Gilsey being like, hey, retired. Fuck, hey mm-hmm. fuck you guys, right? <laughs> like, uh, and we'll probably get asked his opinion on TV. Oh, like, uh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, he'll go to oh, he'll go work wait. at Zeb's Institute. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Zeb world. And Paul. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about and one more race, which I think we talked about a lot and ended up kind of just being like a poof in everybody's mind was. Um, that we have a new sheriff. Um, it was kind of like a, another, like he got pretty wiped out. Uh, so Alex Villanueva also probably going to the punditry and, and <laughs> podcast world. He loves doing those little presentations. Um, I want to just, I want to talk about just quickly election results, just looking forward to our new council and do it through the frame of housing and 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 what they're going to do. Because I think that is the real key here. We have a progressive block now. Um, they, we saw the vote on the, for the eviction moratorium, uh, to, to, to try to not to lift it. Um, we had six yes votes. We have very close to having something like that happen to protect tenants. Um, let's talk about like just who is new on the council and like what they're going to be bringing to that discussion, I guess. So we obviously have, um, our, our very progressive, um, leaders and we have some kind of on board for some housing stuff and maybe not for other things. And then we still have, like you said, a, a quite moderate to conservative um, mm-hmm. majority. I don't know. What, what, how would you frame it as as what kind of the, who can be the swing votes? How, what are these little tiny things that are going to change? You know, I think it's, I think this is a, it, this is the question that really determines everything for city politics for the next, oof. I mean, two years, but really, I mean, until until we get somebody in the CD6 seat, until mm-hmm. we figure out what's going to happen with CD14, where, where Kevin DeLeon is uh, hanging on, but mostly not voting. Um, what? Who could possibly be convinced to join that six-person block? That's the question. 
so right now, as I said, 15, 15 member body on city council. We had six votes for uh, for maintaining the eviction moratorium, seven votes against Kevin DeLeon not voting. Uh, Even no- though he said he would have voted with the tenants block. He said later. Yeah, well, I mean, so that that's the thing. <laughs> he he also the, ran yeah. in like two <laughs> hours late and actually, in I, the back door. <laughs> li- listen, I think that's probably true. But like based on his past voting record, probably. Um, but this is the thing is uh, allowing Kevin DeLeon to be part of your your progressive block undermines everything yes. else, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, he, he, his pre- he continued, and this is the thing is like his continued presence on council is a complete poison pill not having him uh means that you don't get to pass anything but having him is somehow worse mm-hmm. so like it's 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 absolute madness and a reason why none of those six people should like do anything other than continue to loudly advocate <laughs> for him to get off the council who and is, they are and those are possibly... those have been the loudest people too let's i mean well not heather hutt but heather hutt did vote for it for yeah. it She's our CD10 uh, appointee that became a full-fledged council member. There's still people who do want to try to have a special election. And, I'm one of them. And replace <laughs> her with, the, again, it's so bizarre. We have a special election happening for six, but we don't have it for 10. Uh, yeah, I mean, Hutt's appointment is obviously extremely tainted mm-hmm. to the point. I don't think that it is redeemable if 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 you were somebody who was actually concerned about uh, the integrity of these processes, I think that you would resign. And I also think that Hutt is probably a swing vote, like Could away, go back and forth. Away yeah. from the yeah. tenant uh block. Yeah. So the the question is, first of all, if you lose Hutt or if you lose Katie Young Yaroslavsky, um, then you're just down to those four yeah. pro, like that that four person progressive block, which is just not enough to get anything done. Um, who is possibly gettable on the other side, though? I think it's it's like you you end up trying to do this calculus, and it's like maybe someone like Tim McOsker is is towards the center of the council. Who's a new uh, fifteen rep? New yeah. the the replacement for Buscaino, uh, who I have repeatedly derided as Porty McMegabucks because he is. <laughs> yeah. um, he worked for the ports. Uh, he very clever on my part. He uh, is somebody who is a very business friendly person, mm-hmm. but also in CD15 you have a tremendous union presence around the right, ports. Right. It's not impossible uh, that at least on some issues he could be a labor friendly vote. I don't feel great about well, that. I know a lot of nonprofit directors in LA did max out donations to his campaign. So I think of like, just judging by that, he could be the only possible swing vote that I can think of. It's not going to be Officer Tracy in CD11. It's not going to be Officer Tracy. <laughs> it's not going to be Monica Rodriguez. No. It's not going to be John Lee. Not Definitely not going to be John Lee. It, so then, yeah. So you end up with uh, this center block of the white men. Basically, (laughs) (laughs) who's left? It's Bob Blumenfield, it's uh, Paul Krikorian, and Tim McOsker. Um, So that's if that's what we're relying on to to maybe swing and and help out tenants occasionally. I think we're going to see a lot more 
of the six, seven splits that, that we have right now. Um, and that, of course, underlines the importance of uh, a progressive victory in, in CD6. Um, but I do also want to just underscore, because I I don't know what the likelihood of, of a progressive victory in CD6 actually is, even if that doesn't wind up being the case, even if there is a moderate victory in CD6 in this special election to replace Nuri Martinez, um, the 2024 election cycle, I feel very good about. Like, it doesn't feel good to like look two years out from now uh, and, and be like, that's that's the turning point. But also when you think about how far we've come since 2018, mm-hmm. that's insane. Like we, we had what, zero uh, consistent <laughs> progressive votes on the council at yeah. that point in time? You know, that that feels like a lifetime ago. And that's when, that was when we first started this podcast. Yeah. So yeah. So things have changed dramatically. And I do think, when I'm looking at the 2024 race, if there's if there's an Isaac Bryan who runs against Heather Hutt in 2024, um, that is obviously that is obviously going to happen. People like John Lee could obviously lose. I mean, John Lee has proven that he is gettable in in CD12, <laughs> especially despite- with so many of the like assembly races that we saw that had such yeah. great progressive Absolutely. support in yeah. the valley. So- yeah. Um, so I do think a lot of those even numbered districts, which are which are up for grabs in two years, Council District 14, I mean Kevin DeLeon, whether or not he gets recalled, he's not getting reelected. No. I feel I feel like Well, that. he wants to run for lieutenant governor anyway. So um he already <laughs> Okay, good he luck. Already, yeah, have like, fun. registered for it, so he can fundraise for that. Um <laughs> Let's briefly talk about, and you wanted to mention something too about, so Karen Bass obviously won. She's our mayor now. Yeah. We've, yeah. We, we, we did not go yeah, down yes. that other path. Um, and her big thing that she announced right away was this uh, emergency ordinance, I don't know, declaration yeah. um, to attack, you know, the, the root causes of homelessness and make it easier to build housing and one of the goals is like to decrease the number of encampments, but also she says she's going to find more like interim um, housing. And it sounds like buying or doing major master leasing um, deals with hotels to get people inside quickly. It's called Inside Safe. And I just want to get like, this is her first big thing. I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, what are we doing here? Is this going to work? And then we'll we'll kind of roll into the former mayor's uh, legacy, I guess, as part of this. You want to talk about like how this plays out council district to district because it was such an interesting, yeah. immediately she comes out and everybody seems fine. But then like Tracy Park is like, well, I don't like yeah. hotels as homeless housing because I like, fought, uh, like no. that's what I campaigned against. That's like how I came to prominence. You can't, <laughs> we're not going to do this. Like that's her entire Joker story is <laughs> like uh, being against things like this and ideas like this. And even though they're not like, it's not going to work. Spoiler alert, it's not going to work. Um, giving people actual housing, giving them services, using compassion in these situations is what works. And we know that. We There's plenty of examples to draw from. Um, and the fact that, you know, Tracy Park has said things like, I align with uh, our new mayor on housing and I align with our new mayor on how to, you know, tackle encampments. It's like, that's not good. I don't like that. And if you're someone that voted for Bass because you think she's more of a progressive than Caruso, I'm sorry to say that her approach to housing and homelessness is not progressive. 
Because if people like Tracy Park are aligning with her, that should be a huge red flag to everybody. Um, I just like it. It makes my blood boil because it's just not going to work. Like you can yeah. declare all the states of emergency that you want to. If you're not actually willing to do the work that needs to happen, then we're going to be in the same at best or worst, worst position at the end of her first term than we are right now. Yep. The same way we are the start of a new term at the end of Garcetti's term. It's much worse, <laughs> much worse. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I, at the very least, I can only hope that Bass is a, a little bit more present than, like uh, the, the, the degree to which city departments appear to have just atrophied under the total absence of any <laughs> direction mm -hmm. these last couple of years has been, if I can notice it from the outside, Jesus, I can only imagine what it's been like on the inside. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually, I think that that brings up a really interesting point about Park. And I wonder, I actually wonder how much it's true, like how much she believes it's true, how much a Tracy Park believes that she aligns with Bass on homelessness. I think personally that a lot of people appear to be hedging their bets on, on Karen Bass, who has been kind of, you know, it's like she has this record of holding herself out as as more progressive, uh, particularly during her time in Congress, ran much more to the center as a mayoral candidate. Um, and I think a lot of people, my, I mean, not, maybe I'm just projecting because I personally feel very confused about what it is that Bass actually uh, cares about or mm. how much she cares about the means uh, by which she accomplishes some of these goals or platform promises that she set out during the last year. Um, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of clarity there. I can I can imagine a situation in which you have uh, the the right wing reactionaries represented by like Tracy Park specifically uh, tr attempting to be like we're gonna throw in our lot here and just say like we're going to lay out a, a marker and say, oh, we we want the same things in the hopes that she can be moved in our direction, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know that that's what it is, but I also think that there's some of that happening in the progressive wing too, where there's like uh, mm. what, what I see as basically like wishful thinking of, you know, we have, we have better plans for how to do this and we believe that the mayor will be supportive of them. Mm. It's all unproven at this point. Um, and, you know, there's tremendous power in Karen Bass's corner. It, like, I think the LA Times did a poll that showed that she was significantly more popular coming into office than city council as a whole, or probably any individual member of city council. Um, so it's kind of like everyone is waiting for her to decide who she, who she is. is. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I agree with you. I think it's a good point because I think Garcetti's entire legacy, there's like a lot of touch points, but it's also just kind of being this like tabula rasa. Like yeah. we don't, oh, I don't know, like ever absent, right? Hundred plus day absences. Yep. And I don't think that Karen Bass will be absent as much. And I do think that she will take um, more clear stances, but what those stances are. TBD. Yeah, which is not a great feeling. <laughs> Let's just say, like, you would yeah. you would love to have someone coming into office and be able to be like, 
it's obvious what they stand for and, um, you know, like sort of having a sense of where their, where their lines are. Right. And I don't feel that way with, you know, I don't think anyone feels that confident in which version of Karen Bass are we going to get as, as mayor right now. Mm -hmm. And you wanted to mention too, this was something that I thought was very powerful symbolically um, for maybe hinting towards a change is coming is there's a picture where, you know, Karen Bass does her, (laughs) she does her um, announcement and then she goes, you know, walks across the street to the County building and links arms with all the supervisors um, in their meeting. Plus like, you know, I think some people who are responsible for their homelessness efforts on either side and it's, it's all women. Yep. And that alone is different. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's different. It is different. And there was, there was a lot of discussion about how, I'm trying to remember what the like, I feel like the discussion was specifically like heralding a change in the tenor of the the discussions that the city and county have around uh, homelessness and housing because those have been very obviously contentious, have resulted in multiple lawsuits. Um, at the reason why LASA, the, the homeless services agency, even exists is because the city and county are constantly bickering about whose responsibility it should be to provide services to the homeless. Um, and, and so like, you know, this sort of dawn of a new era where LA has its first female mayor and the County of Los Angeles has its first uh, entirely female board of supervisors. And the, I, I kind of think it's laughable, frankly, to, to like look at that and be like, I think it's first because Sheila Kuehl technically was, Sheila Kuehl was just swapped by Lindsay Corbett. Okay, so sorry. Second. You are right. Yes. Uh, LA County continues to have an all-female board of supervisors um, because because Bob Hertzberg did not win. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... Another one that needs to retire. uh, Another one that should retire. Uh, But the, the... Thing, the thing about that that to me seems laughable is that like the the notion that I mean it's just, sure it's historic and um, and if it is in fact the reason why we're going to see a dramatic change in how business is conducted between the city and county um, I would be all for it yeah. I just don't think that that's like I, it's hard for me to imagine because you you have politicians who are not so much incentivized based on anything other than like what is going to get them reelected. And those incentive structures have not changed Mm -hmm. just because Lindsay Horvath took over for Sheila Kuehl or uh, Garcetti was replaced by Bass. Um, There's not to me a clear reason to think that the city and the county are going to suddenly become more functional, um, based on the gender of who is in specific offices. We can we can all be happy um, about like the increasing representation in City Council of LA also has the most women that has ever had at one specific time. And and yeah, like is that is that good? Well it would be great if one of them wasn't Tracy Park, but um <laughs> You know, you know, you take what you can get, but I don't think that we should expect that politicians are suddenly going to start behaving differently 
Like <laughs> if I, the tapes proved anything. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's all still there. So as our final segment, we're going to look back at P20, just kidding. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna actually talk about Garcetti's legacy. And if you weren't sure what the legacy was, that's okay because he made a video and also a 200-page book about his accomplishments. I'm going to read them. Um, no, I'm going to play the video, uh, just a clip from the video that, um, that he made about talking about his legacy. The Los Angeles of tomorrow is safer. It's greener and easier to move around. It has more homes and better jobs for people and more places for them to play. And I'm so proud and grateful that I got to play a part in building that Los Angeles of tomorrow with you. My family may be starting a new chapter that could take us to the other side of the world, but I'm confident we'll come back because Los Angeles is and will always be home. And while it's been an honor to have the title of mayor for this period of time, the greatest title I hold is Angelina. Okay, so I think the one thing that, first of all, just a reminder, he was our mayor for almost 10 years, nine and a half, because we changed the way we did our elections. So, and then I I, I put this out the the other day when I was on AirTalk on Larry Mental Show. He was council president before that. Mm -hmm. So like we have been living in Eric Garcetti's LA yeah. For a long time. And I and, and and to to say that like certain things he didn't have control over or whatever, that just keeps coming up. And maybe you could argue that for some things, but he had a long time <laughs> to <laughs> assert his agenda. Mm-hmm. That and that's what where I will begin this segment. Um, first initial thoughts. Like what do you say is the legacy of this mayor? Well, Eric Garcetti's second term was such a shit show, was such a fucking mess that it, it, I think it actually eroded even the possibility of having like goodwill towards him for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. Uh, One thing that I will say that sticks out, and I, I was actually only just thinking about this when you said it a moment ago, is this change to our election system, which the electorate of of the city actually had to vote on, but when we did realign our elections so that they were were aligned with state and federal elections, which we actually had to vote on twice because city council reliably fucked it up um, (laughs) the first time. But- uh, Eric Garcetti's LA. Eric Garcetti was a, this is a thing where it's like, you had to have city council and the well city council most prominently supporting this change to get it on the ballot in the first place uh and it was at risk to their own potential futures and we've seen in now successive uh, electoral cycles that uh boy are they paying for it uh but i do <laughs> think that confirmed. i do think that uh, Eric Garcetti was was one of the key advocates and and like one of the people who, in terms of convincing city council mm-hmm. to back that type of charter reform, that might be the single most impactful thing that he did, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Uh, and and it did not benefit himself or his peers. He was termed out anyway, but it didn't benefit his peers that that this change was made, but I, I think it benefited the rest of us. 
not too much else that you could say like that about uh, Mr. Mayor uh, that I can think of. Rachel, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll get we'll get into my personal beef with him. <laughs> but I will say uh, he's a Nepo baby and he yeah. didn't do well at that. You know, when you have the world set up for you, it's incredible to watch people fail so spectacularly. Um, yeah, so I think he could have taken some you know, pages from Kate Hudson's book and really been successful as a Nepo baby and he just mm. didn't. So I don't know. He's a fail son. He has substitute teacher energy. And I'm glad that <laughs> he is not our mayor anymore. Uh, um, but I also have real, you know, beef with him that okay. we'll get to. But Alyssa, I, I want to hear your well, I, take. Yeah, I want to talk about, I wrote a story about the sidewalk policy, which I felt like was very, a very good way of summing it up. But mm-hmm. I, but one thing that is just, that comes to mind is like, the technology thing that he came into office with, like really like bringing like these big thinkers um, who were actually like very smart people and like data and, you know, whatever tech companies. And I can't really think of like mm-hmm. what, I, what to call this like, but it was part of the era, right? It was like the, you know, the the, the 2010 energy of, <laughs> of governance where you like had smart cities and stuff like that. And he really like was going to govern with data and be super transparent. And the, the city website like still doesn't fucking work. Like I can't even yeah. like look up a council <laughs> meeting. Yes. Like <laughs> I, I mean that to me, like oh, I open up like a council file on my phone. It doesn't even like orient the right way. And I can't even hit the button to like look at something. I mean, that to me is like even the most basic stuff just like didn't even get done. And so how, how do you, how do you like, even think that the bigger stuff got done right. And like, he could have been like a, almost like a Bloomberg era type for LA. Like we could have had this, like, got the, got the transit working, got the streets working, got the track, at least those basic things, which could have been like horrific, like gentrification wise and could have been like actually very bad, you know, and, and had negative impacts. But he, didn't even do that part. Like, yeah, I mean, but you can, like, <laughs> to be fair, like you can do those things in a way that is, is, I don't want to say more thoughtful. Sure. No, that, oh, of course. It, yeah. Yeah. Because I think. I was just relating it to that one specifically. Sure, yeah, no, sure. Yeah. But I, I think Bloomberg did think through how he wanted it to play out. And I think right. it worked out <laughs> right. reasonably. The way he wanted to. That. Um, but that's so, what I'm saying. Like we could have had at least those things and we didn't even well, have those things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Alyssa, you and I have talked about this, I feel like at length, but like for a mayor who came in on with a message of back to basics mm-hmm. for, for city services, I think Garcetti did a lot to, I mean, he basically turned for the relatively small subset of people who care about municipal governance. He basically turned back to basics into a punchline because like he did so little to advance that that actual goal um which is unfortunate because it actually is it i think it was the right message at the right time for for the city of la and it would have been great if we had gotten even a tiny bit of of that. Just like the trash, like the yeah. trash situation. And like, I get that, like it gets wrapped up with homelessness and like you shouldn't be able to report an encampment on the 311 app and have somebody from sanitation come and take your stuff away. Yeah. Yes, of course. But like, it just seemed like 
a drop-off of city services visibly noticeable over the last 10 years. Yeah, we had these initiatives like uh, that we were going to have data-driven websites where you could see how long or what the road quality was everywhere. Things that, a lot of stuff like that, frankly, that showed up and there was a lot of fanfare behind it. And then six months later, it was no longer being updated. And 18 months later, it was just gone completely. Uh, I can't really figure out what to, and I think this is sort of, like Garcetti is has always sort of been a bit of an enigma to me because like I can never really figure out what to ascribe his many many failures to. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't strike me as someone who is just dumb or like like way out of their depth uh, professionally, but. How else do you account for pretty much everything? All I can really say is what seems clear to me is he had a very clear vision of what being mayor of LA was going to mean for him. Mm -hmm. And whenever the reality did not align with like how he thought it should be, it seemed to me like he just rejected the reality and was just like, I'm going to continue living in a fantasy world where we're all tap dancing. And uh, and like, I think that that is why it always or, or often felt like he was talking over the heads of people here. Didn't really care whether or not we knew what he was saying was a lie. Um, because it, it, it was all about this this image creation that had nothing to really do with L.A., yeah, and, and was about getting this mm-hmm. national and then later international kind of clout. And that was also the thing that I think about, like writing about this failed sidewalk repair plan, which was framed as the quintessential back to basics effort. Um, you can walk around and see it didn't work. <laughs> um, but at the same time, he's out there giving speeches at these climate conferences and being elected yes. as the head mm-hmm. of all these um, climate coalitions, and he was two uh, head of two mayor climate consortiums groups at one as once, um, and 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 saying these things about like fixing transportation and reducing emissions. And, and, and LA's Green New Deal is the most ambitious in the world. That in the world, yeah, that was that. I mean, and and then you look at like the things that we, you know, what that brought us is like you know the Olympics, which you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, talk about the man in the mirror syndrome. <laughs> Eric's someone that needs to do that because like the entire impetus behind bringing the Olympics here in 2028 was this image creation. He mm-hmm. saw people like Mitt Romney and people like Theresa May who went on to do way more than yep. they were able to do in just their cities. Great point. Um, and it was for him. It wasn't for us because, mind you, we were not the first city to be asked to the prom for LA 2028, okay? There were many cities that came before us, Boston, Hamburg, Rome, and Budapest were all top of mind for 2024, which was the original year we went for as a city. Um, But all of those cities successfully squashed those bids, either by a referendum by the people or literally electing people into positions of power, as with Rome, um, elected a mayor who was anti-Olympics. So 
the only two cities you had left at the time were Paris and L.A. And the International Olympic Committee decided Paris would get 2024, which is what Garcetti wanted. Yep. And we were given 2028 on the same day at the same time. It's never happened before. Um, and So not not only not the first one asked in <laughs> the prompt, we were basically running after the limousine. Like, Ru- please oh, take yeah. us. Please come with me. Yeah. And January 2017, let's go a little bit back in time. LA City Council voted unanimously to authorize Garcetti to sign this contract uh, for the original bid, which was wow. 2024 wow. again. And that was back in a time where, you know, we talked about six, seven votes. We used to vote unanimously, as you all talked about on the show many times, like 99.7% yeah. of the time or some <laughs> hyper specific number. And I have many more notes here and we just don't have time to talk about it. But I think the Olympics and the train wreck that that was to actually get us to 2028 what it will bring us in the next six years yeah. is catastrophic, like actually catastrophic. Yeah. And we have Garcetti like, oh, I heart climate, I heart transit or whatever. We're not going to have any of that by 2028. The climate's going to be worse. And all of this is his fault, partially, of course. And I think that that is part of the legacy that we cannot let people forget, that when we get to 2028 and people are being violently displaced uh, to benefit him and his friends, like Casey Wasserman, we will be worse for it. And the city and our neighborhoods will be worse for it. And that that is his legacy to me. Mm-hmm. He he is contributing to ruin of our city and our communities. Um, and he's going to get away with it. When you think about the, when you think about the 2010s, um, you know, the, recent, the recently ended 2010s, basically the decade between the Great Recession and the pandemic, that time, I, I really, and I actually felt that this way before the pandemic began, but only more so as time goes on. Uh, we were so bereft, not just in LA, but really in, in major cities across the country and, and the Western world of like good leadership of, uh, of like actual progressive ideals in city governance, we lost the opportunity to come back from the Great Recession Mm. in a way Mm -hmm. that actually advanced people's well-being. Instead, we had, um, I hate using the word elite now because it has been so thoroughly (laughs) co-opted by by the right. But we we did have uh, what was basically like an elite of uh, of city managers mm-hmm. throughout the country and in LA specifically who were hell-bent on strip mining the city for uh, for the benefit of like large corporations um, who were doubling down on things that clearly didn't work like the, uh, the privatization of, of city services. We had like, let's not forget, we had the big, uh, reorganization, since you mentioned sanitation, Alyssa, a while ago, we had the big reorganization of uh, the, the city sanitation services into this like cartel of, of private providers. Um, I mean, like none of this stuff was materially intended to like directly benefit Angelinos mm-hmm. who were and are still like falling further and further behind uh, people in in peer cities in terms of real income, like we don't have good jobs here. 
the jobs that we do have, it seems like the politicians are really determined to make sure that they can't be good jobs. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, lest we forget, it's it's not all about just like attracting Uber or Tesla workers here. We could also make the jobs that we have better, mm -hmm. but that was not a priority for Garcetti or this cohort. So I, I feel like over the course of uh, this past 10 years, obviously, I think, I think, you know, I want to make sure to note that you can't have a race to the bottom without other people racing you. Mm -hmm. Like LA mm -hmm. was not alone in this, uh, but we were definitely participating in this race to the bottom. And I think the Olympics is a, a sign that we won. We, yeah. we, we got to the bottom I like, first. I like, yeah, I like this thought that, because some people would say like, oh, well, he, he approved all this transit, right? Like the things like the people mover to the airport that won't even open until <sighs> after he's out of office. So I think like to do the accurate assessment, you're right. Like, is it like 2028, 20, 2030? Is mm -hmm. that when you have to look at like, not only what happens when the Olympics come here, but like what happens after? Yeah. And maybe that's the actual assessment that needs to be made. Um, yeah. To actually look at this. It's, it's not just building a few transit lines. It's it's like mm -hmm. what you said, setting up for this. And can someone like Karen Bass, like just the housing part alone, like can she change the housing conversation in, in her time in any way, you know? But I think as so long as everything is about profit and who is benefiting, like that's to me what I always come back to, like who is making money off of improving the sidewalks? Who is making money off of bringing the Olympics like here? I am not improving the sidewalks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that that's the better question. I mean, sorry. Lawyers. Um, it, it, it wouldn't line Eric Garcetti's pockets to fix the right. sidewalks, but it does to bring the Olympics here exactly. and his friends. And you can't have a mayor like Garcetti with, or sorry, you can't have people like Weezar on our council and all of these other cast of characters who have been indicted and thrown in jail, la-di-da, without people like Garcetti. The fish rots at the head. That is a fact. And I think that that is something that we have to keep in, in mind as well. As long as profit is the motive, this is how city politics are Yeah, and go. I keep reminding people that trial, is our, our, our beloved Weezar is going to trial <laughs> next year. Some, I'm putting my fans <laughs> <laughs> um, we, but we'll be, I guess we could pop in for some emergency, emergency episodes. Let's not forget that Ray Chan was Garcetti's deputy mayor. Yeah. I'm, Garcetti was always doing the Mariah Carey, I don't know her meme, like in, <laughs> especially in the second term. Like everyone he appointed, it was like, oh yeah, sorry. I've never heard that person's name <laughs> before. Did. So very quickly before we go, we always do predictions at the end of the year. Um, and I just wanted to quickly play my prediction from last year, which was so accurate that I am ashamed. So my concern, my prediction is with that, I'm kind of speaking more about like mayoral stuff, but but it, it, taking all that into, into you know, into the same consideration. We are going to have a mayor that leaves at some time that we don't know. We are going to have an interim mayor and perhaps an appointed mayor for some time that we don't know. We are going to have people running for mayor who have their political interests and agendas um, in that are going to make them unable to govern for various reasons um, over the next few months. And we have policies that are very urgent that need to be addressed um, that are kind of being left to the wayside during a time when the press has really no access, no guaranteed access or um, 
to, to a lot of elected officials no. because of the way these departments and offices are being run. Um, so I see like a year of like pure chaos. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm very terrified about the ability for anyone who has any type of progressive agenda to get it pushed through. But the the disclaimer is by the end of 2022, when we have these leaders in place and we know that change is going to happen, um, maybe that's when we start to see the the change that you're talking about, um, where oh, yeah. we have this kind of unified. But I I am fearful for the next year and how basic services and mm. and basic oh, yeah. policy agenda so items are going to get Your done. prediction is chaos? Is that I a, mean, a legislative chaos. But like you look at like the inability for like even very basic bits of policy to yeah. be pushed through when we have, we still have a council member that's not even like represented, like that's suspended. Right. I mean, yeah. we there's a lot of balls in the air. And so just a complete legislative uh, stale, like yeah. stale. Yeah, just like a year of limbo slash like inability to get things done unless people can find a way to do this. And, you know, unless maybe there's some appointed mayor that comes in and really gets down to business. I mean, I just don't, I see, I'm so scared about just like very basic things. Okay. So we experienced, I won, obviously the predictions game from last year with the legislative chaos that did ensue. Um, I think Scott, you had said last year that you thought we would have great turnout for the races, which would have some, well, I think you which meant was wrong. wrong, but you, we did get some progressive seats out of it. So I think, um, you know, you kind of got partially right. And then the other thing you said was that you thought maybe there'd be a consent decree for, uh, issued for the sheriff's department, which we didn't see yet, but we did see a lot of activity, um, and awareness, I guess, about the sheriff's department, even on the national scale. Mm -hmm. So what do you got for 2023 guys? I think that another city council member will be revealed in some kind of way. I think I don't know if it'll be a leaked tape. Mm. I don't know if it will be another anonymous resignation. Leather. You think? Yes, I'm mm. like I'm feeling some kind of like someone else is gonna. Okay. You know. Okay. City staffer. Cool. So could we <laughs> could we say like uh, do you you think there'll be another special election in addition to six next year? Yeah, oh. I, I I think okay. we'll see. I think we'll see another seat kind of be vacated for one reason or another. All right. Scott. What about you? You go first, Alyssa. There will be maybe a lawsuit introduced that will end sweeps or make them illegal since we know that they actually are illegal, um, like in San Francisco, where they have just granted an injunction that no longer allows the city to do it. So hoping there'll be something like that here. I totally forgot about that consent decree prediction. I I like that. I wish that were going to happen. You can carry it forward. Uh, yeah, just let it ride. I like um, it. <laughs> I, I'm, I am actually like that. That makes me think too. I'm, I am curious to see what uh, the incoming sheriff Luna's first year, what what initial actions might sort of look like in terms of changing the trajectory of that department. But I don't feel in any way confident enough to make uh, a prediction there. Other than that. I imagine the sheriff's department will continue to be extremely toxic. It's hard to it's hard to imagine one person really affecting it that much. Although Villanueva did his damnedest to make sure it got worse. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I actually 
2023, I would imagine if we're like looking back on it at the end of the year, uh, I think that we will see a progressive block on city council making much more uh, legislative gains than we were able to affect with Marquise, Mike Bonin, and and uh, Nithia in CD4. Uh, and, and this is the thing is like, even though just having a net gain of one member to that block might not feel like a huge change, uh, I do think that it has really emboldened the the progressives on council. And I think that they are uh, potentially going to be able to wield substantially more power, soft soft power, whatever you want to call it. I think that that block will be able to uh, swing votes in their direction. Um, my, my second prediction, which I don't love, is that I do think that there probably will be a moderate victory in CD6, but I'm hoping I'm wrong mm, about that one. Mm. Mm. All right. Okay. Well... Come to the end of our show, end of the year, the end of the era. Um, looking forward to all these things happening and more. Verdict on Weezar? Guilty. 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 Maybe. Oh, no. For, uh, n- not guilty. All charges. <laughs> Free man. He'll be our CD6 um, winner. Yeah. <laughs> back again. For the, the poor people of, of CD14. My God. My God. Um, and maybe we'll be back to talk more about that because I do think that'll be kind of an exciting moment. Um, however that goes, that's in a few months. Starts in February. So until then, take care of yourself. Happy New Year. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>